Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. This is episode 20, and today we're learning about what does it mean to understand the mission of God by being among people and having community with those who are underserved, who are marginalized, and what do we learn about God's heart. So let's do this. All right, thank you so much for listening in. Hey, we really appreciate you guys listening today. And today is going to be really great. We're out of the studio today. We're at Free Church downtown, a community. St. Stephen's. St. Stephen's Free Church, shout out. Thank you so much for letting us use your space. They have a dance class going on. They're dancing, they're singing. Yes, those low frequencies you hear, it's not us. We wish we had that kind of budget, but... Not oh, that's a nice bass there. I know. Yeah. Right there, right there. We have some special guests today. We got Christine and Lorraine here with us. And this is momentous. Momentous. These are prayers answered. Out of all the feedback we get, we're always hearing, we need to hear from the voices of women, especially in regards to ministry and in terms of living faithfully. And it only took us 20 episodes. 20 episodes. I, I, I'm thanking God for this. This is going to be awesome. We're going to just jump right into it. Christine O'Lorraine, welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are Hello. you? Hello. Hello. Hello, yes. So we'd love to hear a little bit about you guys first. Would you guys intro yourself? Tell us a little bit about your life, about your journey, and about where you are right now. Okay, I'll go first. My name's Christine. I was a pastor at a large Asian church for many years, about seven years. And about my first year into it, I went on a short-term mission to Urban Promise, fell in love with it. I went back every year. The only year I did not go is when I actually gave birth to my son in July. But then the next year I went even while pregnant. Um, and it was just, I was just drawn to the community. It was just so fun. Um, there's a lot of laughter back then. There was happy chaos. And I just was drawn to it. You know, at the church, when there's overt sin, people just leave right? Or, or you don't see it. Mm-hmm. But in the community, it's there. People get involved. They see everything, a right, lot of yeah. deep relationships, a lot of deep communities. So that I kept going back every year until I felt I really needed to quit my day job mm-hmm. and go there. And I have no regrets. It was kind of scary going from a regular job to fundraising your whole salary, but I've been there 12 years now. Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And tell us a little bit about Urban Promise. What is Urban Promise? Okay, Urban Promise works primarily in government housing. And our our mission statement is to reach a child, raise a leader, and receive. So it's a lot of after-school programs, summer camps, March break camps. It's it's amazing because it's not like um, a big Sunday school class, but it's like the gospel every single day, like cool. um, consistently oh. drip, 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 Love you know, that. into yes. a kid's life for 20 years. That and that's our awesome. dream. I work with the mothers and we have mom's Bible studies and we do... Weird crafts, <laughs> stuff like that. Weird crafts, I love that. I, I can buy into that. I can buy into that. Yeah, that regular craft stuff. It's got to be weird. It's just Pinterest. What's yeah. the weird craft that you do? You know what? It's mainly to draw moms together. And so 
I don't know. It's just a way of doing things where you're side by side. I love it. So we don't really care about what we're doing, but you just want to do something (laughs) so that so you don't have to look into each other's eyes and soul all the time. I guess that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you get to see another person's soul when you do crafts. Like, what? How do they do their craft? How do they express themselves? How crafty are they? Uh, Ah, dad joke. Okay. Well, two boys. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. Thank you so much, Lorraine. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Lorraine. I work in a community called Sanctuary. Um, I spent a few years in the Chinese church growing up just because that's where my mom was. But I remember the second I could drive, I like booked it and left. You're out of there. Yeah. And it was great that my mom was like super supportive of it. So I think I always felt a little bit like an outcast. Like it just always felt like I didn't belong because like, you know, the things that I was excited about, I always struggled with like church felt like this one world where I had to like do all the right things and say all the right things. And I could totally like pass that test. But then I was going to school and like, it was very different. Like I went to parties with my friends. I didn't do anything like horrible or whatever, but I think there was just like a disconnect. And so I was like this church, it was like, it was really hard for me to stay. And then I basically just went to school downtown, not really knowing what I was doing. I skipped a lot of class actually, which is how I ended up at Sanctuary. Cause I, you know, one Wednesday afternoon, I was like trying to help out at a soup kitchen, but I was so useless in the kitchen that they were like, why don't you go talk to people? And I was like, okay. And then a couple of the people in the community were like, hey, you should come and check out this other place that we go to have lunch. And I was like, okay, not like I was going to class that day. Um, <laughs> sorry, mom. And then, yeah. And then I like, walked the doors of Sanctuary. It was like their community lunch day. And I sat down with the guys and I was like, wait a second. I totally know this place. And it was actually because I was reading a book called God in the Alley at the time. And it was actually by Greg Paul, who's the guy who started Sanctuary. So it was like this weird, like out of body experience. Yeah, I have arrived. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think I was always really drawn to the passages in the New Testament where Jesus was with the people. And I think like my experience growing up in the church is, you know, at the very best churches, you know, do outreach to people or they like do sandwich runs and give sandwiches to people. But the idea of being with was just like so not really ever addressed or or practiced. And so when I hung out at Sanctuary, I was like, man, people are actually like just being with each other. And I was really drawn to that. So that was 12 years ago. I started hanging out there and I never left. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. So there's a similarity. There's a theme years. going on. Mm-hmm. Twelve years, and both have said that they hung out there first and then <laughs> stuck yeah. around, and then they stayed, and then they stayed. Awesome. So before we kind of jump into that, we want to hear a little bit from you about what does it mean for you yourself to be a Canadian Asian. What has that experience been like for you? But also, how does that affect the way in which you connect with others? I call it being a Canadian. Or, like a, or a Canadian. We need to change. <laughs> Whoa, we need to change the um, name of our podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, I I've only started thinking about this a little bit more in the last couple of years. There is currently like three or two other Asian girls on staff with me at Sanctuary, and like for a little bit of time, the joke was awesome. So now we have three Chinese girls on staff. Like we'll just manage to tap into all the Chinese churches, and we're good. And I think that was a statement to say that like there's something really connected 
about Chinese Christians in Toronto. And I actually think that's both a gift and also perhaps a struggle at the same time. So I think for me, like identifying as a Chinese Canadian is recognizing that like I sort of embody two different cultures and we're trying to figure out how to make that turn into into one thing. I've also actually been thinking a lot about what it means to be Chinese on Canadian land that was first occupied by like First Nations people. Yeah. And I definitely think that's something that we don't talk enough about. Sure. Yeah. So like recognizing that I'm also like a settler mm. and then recognize that identity, also embrace that with like the Chinese cultural stuff and like trying to learn how to be a Canadian. It's all like a very strange mix of, I want to say fluids, but that sounds gross. But it's like a weird mix of identities <laughs> that I haven't quite sorted out yet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like having a feet in two worlds. But that might I just mean, also be the fluidity of what it means to be Chinese in, say, like Toronto, because mm-hmm. it's just so normal and so natural, right? right. So it's not necessarily yes. like we are, this is like on a constant forefront. Yes. Because mm-hmm. Our city is so ethnically diverse. Yeah. yeah. That's like, it doesn't matter which culture you come from, you will find a certain kind of fit. Mm-hmm. So, whatever yeah. that kind of fit is, right? Mm-hmm. So. Where, when I work at Urban Promise, there's no Asians. So, but I never felt the need, and I don't really feel like you need to conform or, mm-hmm. or to relate. You can just love people as who you are. As we're talking about like Canadian Asian, I'd be mm-hmm. curious, you guys have both shared a little bit about your experiences in Canadian Asian churches. We'd mm-hmm. love to- Or ministries. Pick, or ministries. Mm-hmm. We'd love to pick your brains to hear like, what was your experience like? You know, Lorraine, you had said that- you felt like didn't fit in what was it about the culture and the way that church was being church that that you had those feelings i think in my experience like it always felt like the emphasis was so much on the vertical relationship between god and me which i totally think is important like that is don't get me wrong like i i totally believe that's important but so much emphasis was on that about like okay you got to maintain this really great vertical relationship therefore do all the right things, know all the right answers, serve and everything, which is very cultural, right? Like culturally in Chinese culture, you just do a lot of stuff. Doing equals success, right? Or um, knowing all the right answers equals you're smart or whatever. So I think there was so much emphasis on that. But I think what I was always really drawn to in the Gospels was how like Jesus just kind of knew that he had a right relationship with God. And so he spent time with the Lord. But then his entire life and ministry was about being with people, like the the horizontal engagement with community. Mm-hmm. And I I really struggled with how insular church life felt because we were always doing stuff within the four walls and then just focusing on devos and whatever. But then I was like, what about the actual like part of loving your neighbor? Like, what does that actually practically look like? And I just wasn't satisfied with, you know, like catapulting sandwiches at people in a sandwich run with (laughs) the greatest intentions. But I remember being in like high school going like, what if the person can't chew? Like, what if the person's allergic to bread? Like, why are we expecting them to take our sandwiches? Why don't we just like go and and get to know their stories? Because I am struck by how in the Bible, like Jesus spent time with people. It always says that he looked them in the eye right? And so I think I was really moved by that. So I think my desire to be with people outside of the church made me feel 
like uncomfortable because it was never really affirmed. Mm -hmm. And if I missed Friday fellowship because I was like, you know, doing other stuff with people outside the church, it was like, oh, you missed Friday fellowship, right? So shame-based kind of. Yeah, which is also very cultural. (laughs) For a lot of years, I really struggled with that. And then when I ended up being in sanctuary and realized like, okay, this is what being with people is about. Like, I think some of the, the teachings that Jesus had just made a lot more sense to me. And faith made more sense, even though it brought a lot more questions, but... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christine? Okay, so I grew up at this church that I'm at right now, and mm-hmm. I did not leave when I went to Urban Promise. So it made me have to really think about understanding the Asian culture. Mm-hmm. And one thing big is the work ethic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so after, when I tell a story of a family who's going through most struggles, some of the Asians would come to me and say, but why aren't they working? And whenever I'm talking about Mm. all these factors, the lack of educational support, the lack of um, securities in the home, sexual Mm. abuse, all these things, they come back to this thing, but why don't they work? Mm -hmm. And it made me really see that was a very important keystone for them. And this is the way I've come to understand uh, some of the Asians that think this way, okay? In our communities, but in communities in general, Some people, women, have been wounded by men, Mm -hmm. right? Sexual Mm -hmm. abuse or something. Absolutely. And so they have men issues Mm -hmm. and they can be distrustful or jaded and say men are this, men are that, right? But Mm -hmm. we're sympathetic because they've had men issues. Mm -hmm. Well, in the Asian culture, I feel like some of them have had the financial wound. Some families, I know one family who lost everything they owned twice, Once in the Cultural Revolution and once in the Vietnam, something to do with Vietnam, I'm not sure. Wow, that's crazy. Yes, everything you own twice, right? And then one time there's an elderly person, woman, and I had made some yams, which I think are more special than potatoes, right? Yams are pretty good. Yes. Special potatoes. But it brought her back to the Cultural Revolution Uh, and she couldn't eat it. And That was the only thing that can happen. Yes. And so I did not know that. And Mm. so knowing this, I realized they've experienced this powerlessness that comes from poverty Mm. and they never want to go back to it. And they can't understand why people don't want to get, because that is their their thing, their trigger, their key thing. And so when I came to understand that analogy, I realized, well, some people have men issues, some people have money issues, but let's not judge each other and just work to spread the love of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So whenever they come back into me and I'm saying, and I want to tell their stories of how these women are overcomers, they've worked so hard in their life, and it's a lot of struggles, you know? Sometimes working a nine-to-five is easier than Mm -hmm. some people I know who are, you know, washing wheelchairs in the middle of the night, you know, cleaning attics or doing Mm -hmm. their other jobs right and so just more of compassion compassion and i'm not offended when they keep coming back to this but why don't your people work Mm -hmm. because it gives me insight into their lives i know what their triggers are that's some deep insight right there that's great and i'm wondering if people even have the capacity to unpack some of that or to understand it from a bigger picture Mm -hmm. and trying to see where people are coming from instead of trying to just make a blanket statement Mm. or having a certain perspective. I mean, while you're talking, I'm also even thinking in the back of my mind about what the immigrant experience might be of Mm -hmm. like and someone coming over and needing to work really, really, really hard to create stability for their family. Mm -hmm. But that that, that kind of ethic has been passed on to their kids, which Mm -hmm. has been passed on to their kids. And there's that thought of like, well, if we work hard, 
we can work ourselves into a better situation or to stability. But th- at the same time, that's like that's not everyone's situation, <laughs> and yeah. that's not everyone's history. Yeah. So what does that mean? And for they're us? not explaining to the second generation. Totally. It's because we had this experience back right. in China or Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, we're all shaped by the context and the culture of you know how we were formed. But if we aren't able to be self-aware mm-hmm. to be able to articulate it, then mm-hmm. nobody would really know. They just see, you know, statements and ideologies, but with no context, no mm-hmm. histories, no narratives. And sometimes that could be our gospel too, right? Like, just like mm-hmm. you just gotta believe in God, yeah. and you'll be good. You go to heaven. <laughs> it's like, yeah. well, is that it? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I often think about what Jesus living in the margins really looked like, right? And I'm struck by how a lot of Chinese churches are often sort of situated in areas that perhaps are actually not surrounded by as many marginalized communities. And so I think when you're not really with the community, then it's really hard to actually even know what the context is, right? I mean, the reality of downtown Toronto is that like gentrification is happening. So Mm -hmm. people are actually being shoved out of the core. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the the churches that are more in the suburbans now are going to actually be in much more proximity to more marginalized communities and not even realize it right like church in marco where i actually used to live right beside them Mm -hmm. and we just realized you know like over the time that there's actually a huge subsidized housing in marco right right who can fathom that that is reality yeah like even in my neighborhood young and eglinton right like it's young and eligible right but (laughs) we have sure if you can afford to live there (laughs) well that's why they were young and eligible now they're neither young nor eligible because they got married and they couldn't afford anything else they're stuck there right and like we we actually have six tch buildings Mm -hmm. in our neighborhood toronto Mm -hmm. community housing which is subsidized Mm -hmm. housing and i think sometimes it's like it's like you said you we need to be aware. Mm-hmm. We need to understand the context in the neighborhood. And uh, I, th- I think that that's the only way that we can kind of break out of the four walls. Mm-hmm. I want to ask Lorraine, you a question that, I, Christine, you answered a little bit about, you know, when you share stories with others, what their reaction is. Lorraine, what has that been like for you as you've talked to others about what the sanctuary community has been like or introduced them to it or mm. you know brought people to be with the community like what have you observed about their experience i feel like people are often really excited to hear stories of people because they think i don't know i feel like for a while micah 6 8 was like tattooed on everybody's like fellowship <laughs> hypothetical foreheads right but i think when you actually then have to live in a community and get to know people who like if we were to really live out Micah 6, 8, people's lives would probably change. I think when people hear stories of the people that are really living in the community and experiencing some of the marginalization that happens, I think people are actually really excited to partner with. We often get people who say like, oh, I want to come and volunteer. And who always say, great, just come and show up and like do nothing. And we actually like tell people like, come and just eat. Because whether you're rich or poor, black or white, whatever you are, like you're going to have to eat. And it's actually really uncomfortable, right? Like you're sitting with a bunch of strangers and you're Mm -hmm. supposed to just eat and make conversation. So there are some people that are like, no, thanks. That's not for me. But I think there are people who like once they really come and see the gospel just comes alive a little bit. I think it's really important for me to frame the people in my community with dignity. I think everyone's used to like the the very sad Sarah McLaughlin music commercials, right? Where like, um, come, 
like, if you pay $5 a day, <laughs> this sad-eyed child. And I'm like, that's that doesn't paint this community right. with the dignity yeah. that they deserve. Sure. And so I often try to share stories of actually how I've received from this community, which is like in huge, huge ways. Yeah. And I think it's actually this community that has been so demonstrative of of what God's grace has looked like. Right. And I think sharing those stories, people get excited and they want to come and see the whole idea of, you know, being aware and like listening to people. I think um, when communities hear that, like, hey, for instance, like things that often Chinese churches don't talk about, like politics or whatever, actually have a huge detrimental effect mm. to the same people that we're all seeing that we want to serve. Right, I think yeah. when I actually mm-hmm. highlight some of those things, I think people are actually really excited and they want to um, come alongside. I wonder if sometimes the struggle is like, you know, everything is just like this abstract concept, right? Like, yes, we should love the poor. We should do this stuff. But then when you don't actually know anybody who's widowed or sick or whatever, then Mm. those just remain concepts. Ideas and theories. Yeah. So I think people actually, when they have the opportunity to come and hang out and come and see, uh, there are a lot of people who just don't leave. Or like a lot of my friends who are still very connected in different ways because I think it's people's lives that they're drawn to. Mm-hmm. Has anybody that you guys have invited to Urban Promise and Sanctuary, like have they stuck around and just kind of be a part of what you guys do? I would say so. I think in my church, in John's church, we have four of us that are on staff now. Oh, wow. wow. So we're kind of taking over. <laughs> so, cool. Asian invasion. Is that for real? <laughs> yeah, one of them is not Asian. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool, subversive ways. Yes. That's cool. Yeah. I love it. I definitely think my friends, some of them come and hang out. Some of them are connected in other ways, whether it's like financially or prayerfully. And then a bunch of the kids that I worked with who like now are in university or like downtown or whatever, will like come by to to just hang out and and be a part of, which is really cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And I really think that you mentioned something about eating together. Mm -hmm. You gain more. Oh, totally. Yeah. Even Paul, when he wrote to Romans, he wants to visit the Romans, so that they could be, they could be mutually encouraged, Absolutely. right? And it's yeah. not like I've come to help you mm-hmm. or anything. Like mm-hmm. I've gained so much. I think the Asian Church could give a lot to Urban Promise yeah. or Sanctuary, but I think Sanctuary and Urban Promise could give a lot to oh, the Asian in sure. terms of vibrancy. You know, for sure, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's mutual encouragement. Yeah, it's funny because like you talk about food, mm-hmm. and if we were really being honest, the Canadian Asian Church. It's probably really good at food. Mm-hmm. They like, can do food. Food yeah. is such a <laughs> yeah. but food is such a centerpiece of Asian culture, mm-hmm. right? Like we're all Chinese around here. The, the meal mm-hmm. it's something very unique and something mm-hmm. very special. Mm-hmm. And I think like perhaps that's something we need to leverage. Mm. That would be really neat. Uh, I tried it once; it didn't work. As, as well. <laughs> okay, Chinese people love Chinese food, True. and they like things like they lo- choy or or kind of. It's not that. Common that what, not What's not, a salad? I don't know what you I don't know. What, Can I make raw it? Vegetables? You take a salad and you make you it into a soup. This. Did someone forget something? Yeah. <laughs> salad is just not cooked yet. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't always work. Yeah. 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 But perhaps like the second generation is a little different. Yes. But there's something about the meal, right? Mm-hmm. We've created Eating. stuff like the Lazy Susan just for a meal, right? Yeah. Just spin that you thing. Can spin and it just, around. It's like yeah. a DJ table. And it's like, <laughs> it's amazing. I think like what's unique about Asian culture is like we have communal meals. Yes. Where like you don't just have your own plate especially chinese cult- yeah. culture like you, you don't have your yeah. own plate well except for tang, but yeah. that's totally different 
Yeah. But like when you share a meal, like this is like that ebb and flow, right? Yeah. And so so I actually think like at Sanctuary we do meals family style. So like you know, <laughs> Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> yeah, the arms you? of an angel. Oh man, <laughs> um, how did they know? <laughs> so we have like these giant platters of like you know whatever we're serving, and everyone's just kind of like helping themselves. Sometimes it's chaotic because it's like, hey, you took three pork chops, we're only supposed to get two or whatever. But I think um, the idea is eating together. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaving this all in. This is all going to be in here. It's going to be great. It's cool, too, because like, there's a lot of imagery of feasting yeah. and parties in the Bible, right? Like, I think Jesus that's spent a lot to... of time eating. Yeah, for sure. He usually goes, I'm going to your house. I'm going to eat at your house. <laughs> that's right. I'm coming over. <laughs> well, but I haven't cleaned you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's messy and dirty. It's no, no, that's where I want to go. Yeah. That's where I want to go. Now, I, I want to make this bridge. So even talking about a meal, mm. eating with people. How do we bridge it from not just doing something for people, right? Not just saying, well, we're going to do this for people and actually having a heart of compassion mm. and a heart to want to be with people, a heart to understand God's working in and amongst people. Mm. Because, you know, we're talking earlier how, you know, the, the culture or the perspectives people already have is that like we just do, right? Doing, doing, doing. Where it's not necessarily coming out of a place of conviction or a place of compassion. And as you guys both mentioned, some people just don't have that capacity to see it that way yet. They're just like, no, thank you. I don't want to just be with people. I want to do something for them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can't just, just be like, okay, well, you go and do your own thing and we'll go do our own thing. But like, how do we make a bridge so that we continue to grow and have a heart to be with people. And I'm not just talking about those who are underserved or marginalized. I, I'm saying in general, yeah. right? right? Not just to, just to do things for people. So how do we make those bridges? How do we overcome some of those barriers? Sometimes if you tell somebody to just go and hang out with them, it's really hard and it's too vague. And there's a lot of fears and barriers. So one thing that stuck with me is Steve Chu from TCM. He told me once that the economic barrier is harder bridge to gap than the racial barrier. Wow. Okay. So a middle-class Chinese and a middle-class black might have more in common mm. than the economic barrier. So how can you get these two worlds to come? And so sometimes an organized activity mm -hmm. helps mm -hmm. because you can't just say go and be friends, right? So for at Urban Promise, we open it up to short-term missions mm -hmm. and we just tell people just come in the summer, mm -hmm. just come for a week, come for mm -hmm. a March break, just come and we'll give you something to do. Mm -hmm. And, but in that, it's not really about the thing to be done because we know that if it all flops anyways, right? <laughs> um, whatever that thing yeah. to be done I can flop. That. That's optimism. Um, right there. It's very optimism. missional though. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But the thing is, we were together. Right. Yeah. And the dream is once you're together, you know each other. Then then you can go out for coffee, you can go out for birthdays, right. you can you can talk about mm -hmm. things and then the more the church is with us, the more the community feels that church people are not so far and removed. Right. Yeah. Right. They are regular people, they struggle with their teens, they eat, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And that's that's what you need. And I actually think this mission of sanctuary and urban promise is really should be the mission of the local church. Yes. So the burden yes. shouldn't just be us promoting it totally. all the time. <laughs> it should, you know, come. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience, but it's not that hard. 
You know, it just, <laughs> with yeah. the price of a coffee, like, yeah. I don't know how much your hipster coffees are. <laughs> the, old but, the old milk is expensive. <laughs> but, you know, it's not, it's not hard at all. Right. Sure. I totally echo, come in, what's the, doesn't the Lord say, like, come and, come and see. see and taste that the Lord is good, yeah. right? Come and see. Like, I think when churches do all these programs, we expect people to come to the church, which is a really bizarre thing to me, yes. right? Because it's so intimidating for people who aren't churched to just like show up at a church and we don't know what people's histories are. So I think it actually makes sense for whoever is listening to this, <laughs> um, come, like just come and see. And I, I totally agree. I think of some of my closest friendships with my friends, mm. whether they're part of Sanctuary or not, or even like my partner, right? Like we started hanging out doing things together that we both enjoyed. So it was like eating together or like playing music together mm -hmm. or watching a movie together or just, you know, walking around in the park. And I think that's actually how a lot of my deepest friendships with people in the sanctuary community also started. I, I don't know, like people in our community are so open to newcomers coming to hang out. So it's funny, like every time I bring a new bunch of kids down, some of the guys would be like, oh, are those your kids again? And, and they're excited. Like they're excited to see new faces because I think the idea is, oh, look, like we're welcomed and we're going to welcome them. And I think there's mutuality in both parties being able to welcome each other. So come, yeah, just come and see. And I think also getting to know names of people, I think mm. that will dramatically transform the way we look at marginalized people because mm -hmm. you're giving them an identity yeah you know? totally a, a story yeah Zacchaeus was Zacchaeus we don't mm -hmm. know him as just the tax collector right, right? Like, true. Mm -hmm. I love that it was just kind of reminding me of when Jesus called Philip and Nathaniel mm -hmm. and John and how when Jesus called Philip Philip went to find Nathaniel Nathaniel was like there's nothing good there and then he's like oh just come and see and he comes and he sees Jesus and like oh you are truly the Lord mm -hmm. and I, I love that posture that you guys bring. It's like, just come and see. Mm -hmm. Come and experience. Yeah, you know what? We're going to shift gears a little bit, but it's going to be a little bit of a follow-up of what you guys talked about, is expanding our understanding of what the mission of God is. Yeah, how have you guys experienced already the mission of God or how it's understood? And how do you think it can be expanded more? I did have one thing. I, I just keep thinking about this, but I, I think there's something about God's mission that's tied to discipleship, right? Okay. So I think it's one thing, you know, God's mission is, is to love people. So we're doing that in our respective communities and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a really important aspect of discipleship in terms of what others receive and then they pass on to others. So so for the last number of years, I had a really cool opportunity to work with a bunch of youth through the TC context. And I think as a bunch of leaders, we felt that it was really important to bring the kids down so that they could come and see. And it's been really neat, actually, seeing how some of the stuff that they learned here or the community that they met here really stuck with those kids. And those kids are actually the future leaders of this church. So they've now then brought it back to their friends or their church communities. Or like I had a kid who told her pastor and then their whole small group came down to visit. Like, I think that's a part of, of God's mission that I think is directly linked to sort of the actual like nitty gritty work stuff. But I think so much of God's mission is also about like advocacy and education. Cause I think that's actually how things change. So yeah, like I, I think that was definitely one thing that I thought of for sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. 
we talk a lot about discipleship as part of the mission of God, and and you know I think that's you know that's a whole other topic to kind of unpack. What does discipleship look like, and especially you know how do we pass things on, like you were saying, right? And if what we're passing on is a picture of what God is doing in the world, is it just limited to the church? Mm-hmm. Is it limited just to personal transformation? Mm-hmm. Or is it actually l- related to participating right. with what God is doing in the world? And I think that's, you know, that's a lot to chew on mm-hmm. and to think about and to wrestle yes. with within the context of the church. I just want to say, that's why I just want to plug coming once, because this summer, both my kids came oh, to yay. Urban Promise for one week, that's right? Awesome. And then I... I really learned that as a short-term mission, it beats any vacation that I could have given them mm. because they got so close with their team. They <laughs> they had to go out of the comfort zone. It was extremely hot, mm-hmm. chaos. Oh, yeah. They're trying to lead a devotion or whatnot, and they're in an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's comfortable because their staff and leaders, right. you know, are God-centered. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's. Really. That's so important to participate. Mm-hmm. Just be a part of it. Sure. You can the, sometimes discipleship just brings so much. I don't know. Growing up in a Chinese church, <laughs> yeah. classroom stuff. Yes, yes. that's but, what it's known as. <laughs> yes, but when you go there, you don't have to know everything mm-hmm. because the conversation happens. It's happening for twelve years mm-hmm. for me, and I don't say everything right, and I don't say everything right the first time. But then we carry the conversation off tomorrow, mm-hmm. and it's no big deal if. You call them up and say, hey, I was wrong. You know, let's, let's yeah. talk about it again. So it's not, you just have to participate. You just yeah. have to get in it. Sure. I-, I love that because you're even saying that experience of participating and being with people was something that was more impactful than going on vacation, mm. right? And like, it's, they're giving up part of their summer, which is generally their time off, like two months It's off. only one week. But really, in <laughs> vacation is all about entertainment or food. And at the end of the day, it's eh. Like, you know, it's good, <laughs> but it's whatever, right? Yes. Yes. But here they have a, a memory. They have, they've, mm. they've stretched themselves. Sure. It's been formational. Yeah. It has been formational. I think that's what it was because I, I think because you've had such a long lasting relationship there as well, right? Like I think sometimes we often focus a lot on like one-off things, but I think the reason why our relationships have been so transformative for like both our communities and ourselves is because we decided we were going to participate and then we decided we wanted to stick around. I often hear some of my kids who, or even some of my friends who say like, oh, I don't really know what impact that had or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, I'm sure your one visit had a lot of meaning, but I would be willing to bet that if you came back consistently a few more times, that presence and the time that you spend will like exponentially be even more fruitful, right? Yes. Like I think the longer you spend yes. with community and relationships, that's just yeah. what happens, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like you guys are unearthing a lot of what like discipleship is about mm-hmm. like we often think of discipleship as like a course that you take right? right you go and you sit in and you're like this is the truth about jesus and <laughs> you're gonna learn about mm-hmm. it and you good but the fact is a like discipleship is a lifelong thing yeah like you're constantly learning you're constantly engaged with the reality of what this good news that is proclaimed is actually lived out right right and it's like this ebb and flow is not like clean yeah. It's messy as heck, yeah. but there's something beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I thought was really powerful that you, that, that you guys were talking about is discipleship often also comes from 
the teacher teaching the student. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the teacher is a student. Mm -hmm. Because whatever we're learning and and forming as disciples, like we who may have, you know, like for for some of us, we have degrees and blah, blah, like, but we're still students Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. Jesus himself. And out of the contexts and what you guys have described, like those are places of us being and growing mm-hmm. as disciples as mm-hmm. well. Sure. So it's, I think it's so powerful and it's such a message that like mm-hmm. it's kind of countercultural to our church culture mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, usually it's very nice and clean in a box. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get theology in a box, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> or like you just need someone with like incremental number like letters behind their names <laughs> and then they are the only ones that can disciple right or teach but the reality is that's just not how mm-hmm. jesus worked yeah right. and for that's discipleship but for missions the mission trip mentality is you go there and yeah. you come back and you're done mm-hmm. but if you're part of sanctuary or you're part of urban promise you can go there and you can keep going right yeah and and have a missional life yeah, yeah. And so it is very doable. And it's also treating, you know, each encounter as you are encountering another person. That's not yeah. just a project or this is yeah. part of a program. Yeah. But this is another person that God has made, that God yeah. loves, yes. yeah. that you can learn from, totally. right? That they have their story, their identity, yeah. right? And God is working in their life, right? And like, like that's, that's sometimes like a shift we all need to kind mm-hmm. of yeah. make is that like, God is working in that person's life. How can I just be attentive to what God is doing in their life and just be present here in this moment sure. with them? And that's, you know, that's, that's not usually considered within the context of discipleship or missions, right? Yeah. yeah. I think like you had, I don't know, this ties into maybe something you had spoken about earlier, but like seeing God's mission at work. Sometimes I think when we talk about all these concepts at church, like, okay, love the poor, but I think it's different when you turn justice issues into people, right? So it doesn't mm-hmm. become just about loving the poor, but it's about loving Sam, who is actually somebody that I know, right? right. Like instead of dealing with gang violence, it's uh, how do we love Sammy, who is this mm-hmm. mom that Christine knows it's her, mm-hmm. it's her son. I think that will deeply transform the way that churches look at how to live missionally because I think missionally is still a very abstract concept, but people are, are not concepts, right? So here's a question though. I totally echo and agree with what you guys say. Like how do you encourage a church not to turn people Mm -hmm. into projects? Mm -hmm. Cause like sometimes like there's hidden agendas of like, Oh, like I want them to turn to a Christian, like say the sinner's prayer and then bam, (laughs) like another project done on the wall. (laughs) Give me my gold star. But like, I'm not saying that every church has that mentality, mm-hmm. but I wonder if like that that is sometimes mm-hmm. fallen into the impetus of why we want to do mission. Mm-hmm. And even though there's a name in the person in the narrative, how how would that you know just, just something? Sometimes we think that people are a project because they don't have what we have, right? We don't have a, say we put value on a job or a family or save a home or something. And I found it really helpful that if you say to, if I, for myself, if I'm thinking, what would I have if I didn't have a father and mother who invested in me, who Mm -hmm. took me to Chinese lessons, piano lessons, violin lessons, (laughs) took me to the library, gave me food, you know, all this food, what would I be like? Which one of, like, and I work with moms, which one of those moms would I be like? Mm. And there's this one mom 
Um, that's totally me. Okay. She's mm-hmm. flighty. She's forgetful. I totally lost my wallet and keys this month. Like I had to replace all my cards, everything. And I see myself in her. If I didn't have all these external things given to me, I might not be so different mm-hmm. than, than this mom, right? you know, it, but you know, as Paul writes, but grace was given to us yeah. as Christ apportioned it. So we all have different elements of grace, but why do you boast as though this was ours? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like we, earn this like i earned mm-hmm. all the meals i had growing up right. that mm-hmm. safe and secure place that was none of it what came from me mm-hmm. you know and if we just get back to thinking like that we wouldn't think that oh i'm a different level than somebody and right. i have something to offer but they have much to offer me mm-hmm. so yesterday i was at tim hortons and a mom insisted on buying me food mm-hmm. and i was like oh she's in government housing and i didn't want it i didn't want it right but she was so happy and she was so, so I had to take it, right? right? But that gave her joy, you know? And the more you, you just have to be in it. Mm. That's what I'm just saying. You have to be in it. If you're in it yeah. side by side and look people in the eyes, you wouldn't, I would not think that they are a project if you looked into their eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so much of it. I think we've talked about it so much. It's really just about the relationship, right? Like I think about how my mother is with me. I'm sure there's so many things that I do that just annoy the heck out of her. <laughs> and I'm sure there's so many things that she wants to change about me. But I trust that she loves me and that I'm not her project. Right. And I think sure. I think in the deeply transformative relationships in our lives, like when we actually get to know the person and see the humanity behind them, it would be really hard to just see them as projects. Mm-hmm. So I think it goes back to sort of what we've been kind of yammering at really. It's just about like coming and, and being a part of these relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. As we wrap things up for our episode, we're going to do our takeaway box and our takeaway box is one thought that you would want to leave with the listeners to really think about and be challenged about. You know, as you guys are offering this, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be for like a Canadian Asian context, but what is one thing that you would want to leave for our listeners to really grasp onto and wrestle with? I would say, don't be afraid to come. Come to Urban Promise, come to Sanctuary. Sometimes people are afraid and I don't really think that if you love God and love people, you could really screw up in any (laughs) way because... A lot of things don't go as planned and it's fine. Sure. So just don't be afraid and, and get your feet wet. Yes. Yes. Oh, one thing. I remember when I was in high school, I listened to this white pastor who went to China and he was talking about him learning Chinese and he learned the verse John 3.16 in Chinese, which was San Ngoi Saiyan. But he got the intonation wrong and he said San Ngoi Saiyan. So, <laughs> so if you... If you we, don't we speak need, Chinese, we need translation for that. yeah. If you this don't speak Chinese, hilarious. intonation in Cantonese matters, right? So this pastor was trying to say God loves the world, which is Saiyan, but instead he said God loves white people, which is Saiyan. So I think it's a it's a funny story in terms of how he really he really just wanted to be a part of the community, so he was willing to dive into the culture and be with. I think that story sticks with me because I'm just reminded that well, first of all, God loves everyone, mm-hmm. um, so that's a really important message. But I think there's something to be said about the pastor's willingness to just to just be with the people sure. and not go in with his agenda, but he put his own stuff aside and just dove right in. So I think I would hope for people who are listening to just be willing to to just dive in, Mm -hmm. you know, you might screw up, 
like this pastor did, but that's okay. I think if you're willing to dive in, God will take it places. And and what is the point of a church existing if we aren't there um, to be with people? Right, yeah. So I think that would be something that I would hope we can all constantly be challenged and reminded by. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Any last thoughts, B? No, I thought this was great. I think we should all come and see. Yes. Come. We should definitely yes. come and yes. see. Be with people. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? As you guys are talking to, like one final thought is just that it's not just us extending God's presence into the world. Mm-hmm. God is already there. Mm-hmm. God is already at work. Mm-hmm. God is already reconciling, redeeming, and restoring people. And he calls us just to be part of that work. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not only coming and seeing and being with people, which I totally agree with, exactly what you guys are saying, but also coming to see what God is already doing. Right, for sure. And just be like, wow, that's amazing. Mm. So thank you guys so much. Thank you, Christina Lorraine, for giving up time for us to be on this podcast episode. It was really, really good to hear from you guys. We'll put Urban Promises website and Sanctuary's website on the show notes. Yes. So if you are interested, check it out. Check it out and go and see go and see. oh there you go I like that alright thank you so much once again for listening please remember to rate and subscribe to our podcast because that helps us get this conversation out there and we'd love to hear from you you can connect with us through Facebook Twitter or email it's been great to hear from so many of you guys once again you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast and we hope you will join us on this journey see you next time